Praise the Lord. Uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says, and if you ever see this word, this is a big one, the first word. Therefore. Okay, that, there's always a reason that that is therefore. Okay? It's... The word therefore, when it's there, meaning it, it, it means it's a summary of what's been said before. So we'll go back in a second and look what was said before. But it says, therefore, everyone, that means everybody, who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus speaking, Sermon on the Mount here, this is chapters 5 through 7 here. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, Lord, and we just ask for supernatural revelation, Lord. Lord, natural man can't understand these things or perceive them, Lord. But we pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you make them manifest. Make them obvious. Make them clear. Separate hearts. Bring understanding to this text. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us build for eternity something that will last. In your name we pray. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The title of my message is Built to Last. Built to Last. How many love things that are built to last? How many hate things that are not built to last? Which is more disgusting for you? Is it more disgust that it's built not to last? Or more appreciation that it's built to last? But both are frustrating. Somebody doesn't build it right. And... Um, Today, and for the rest of our lives, we have an ability, in fact we have a, um, we will build it to last or build it to not last. We don't have a choice. We're all building lives, and this scripture talks about how are we building these lives. And you say, well man, I don't want to, you know, have to... Uh, make a choice, but the truth is we're either building something that will last for eternity, or we're building something that will be destroyed for eternity. And so this is a very important message to build something in your life that's going to last forever. And um, as I began to look at this, I started, uh, there's no way to avoid it, you um, begin to read this text, and you start immediately thinking about building foundations. 
Okay? Now, I've known some people in my lifetime, and some of you do too, who believe uh, they know how to do everything. And they can build anything, they can make anything, and a lot of times when it comes down to actually building, sometimes it doesn't pay to believe you know everything. Sometimes it's important to consult a structural engineer or somebody that can help you design the foundation and make sure it complies with the standards of the day. Because those standards are made to build something that will last through everything. It might be an earthquake. It might be a fire. It might be just uh, the type of soil that's not only in your location, but in the whole location around you. And so there are people that have more knowledge than you do, unless you're, that's your line of work, which somebody in here, that may be your line of work. But if you're smart, you'll have the wisdom to say, I need to consult a structural engineer or somebody that can help me build a proper foundation. And guess what? In the time of Christ, it was no different. You could build buildings in his period of time and either they had a good foundation or they didn't. They understood the specifics of building a good foundation to build a good building. So Jesus is using this story to explain to us that it's critically important how you build the foundation of your faith. Because you are building right now. And so I started to pull up. In fact, I, uh, I, I, I typed in... Google search, give me some famous poor designs for buildings on their structure. This is structural design failures. And bear with me on this because I'm getting away from my message here, but I want you to understand what I'm saying. When you build a house, unless you're a hermit or a recluse and nobody ever visit your house, everybody that's in that home or in that building is basically under the safety and the security of that structure. And so if a irresponsible builder cuts corners and doesn't do it right, there's a lot of lives that are at stake. And if you don't build your life the right way, it's not just you that are, that's going to be affected. It's going to be everybody around you, everybody you love, everybody you care about. Everybody's going to be affected by that structure. So I pulled these up just to see some famous structures that weren't built well. And I had a top ten here and I pulled a few out. The Highland Towers Collapse, an apartment building in Malaysia. Happened in 1983. Now listen to this. The collapse of this building caused the deaths of 48 people and led to a complete evacuation of the remaining blocks. The building collapse was due to water in the soil and eventually turned the entire foundation to mud. A landslide contained an estimated 100,000 square yards of mud, rammed into the foundation of the building, pushed it forward, and they began to, in uh, the constant pressure, the foundation snapped. In November of '93, residents began to see cracks forming 
and widening on the road around the towers. It was a forewarning of collapse, but unfortunately nobody investigated it further, and the collapse was sudden. Forty-eight people died, and the entire area had to be evacuated. June of 1985, a five-story building, a department store in South Korea, collapsed, resulting in the deaths of 402 people. Or, I'm sorry, 502 people. In April of 1995, cracks began to appear in the ceiling on the fifth floor of the south wing due to the presence of an air conditioning unit on the weakened roof of a poorly built structure. Five hours before the collapse, the first and several loud bangs were heard emanating from the top floors. As the vibration of the air conditioning caused the cracks in the slabs to widen further, amid customer reports of vibrations in the air conditioning unit, the air conditioning unit was turned off, but the cracks in the floors had already grown to 10 inches. At about 5 p.m. local time, the fifth floor began to sink, and by 5.57, seven minutes later, the whole roof gave way. The air conditioning unit crashed through the already overloaded fifth floor, trapping more than 1,500 people and killing 500. The Royal Plaza, 93, Thailand, killed 137 people and injured 227. It took less than 10 seconds for the building to collapse, and transformed a six-story complex into a pile of rubble that quickly. It says, Gradual deformation due to uh, creep weakened all the ground floor support columns, and when one of the columns fell, the rest rapidly followed, resulting in a complete vertical collapse. Several people were rescued from the rubble, and trapped victims were called for help from their mobile phones. Violation of safety regulations and unprofessional approach on the part of the engineers were deemed to be the cause. And here's the most famous one. This one's very interesting. You may have ever heard of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The Leaning Tower of Pisa, scientists travel to the town every year and measure the building's slow descent. They report the 179-foot tower, which was built in 1173, moves one-twentieth of an inch every year and now is 17 feet out of plumb. Imagine being the builder of that building. It says, the actual word Pisa means marshy land. Sounds like a great location to build our tower. It was a bell tower. It was to show the wealth of the city and they had a whole complex they wanted to build there with a chapel, a bell tower, a baptismal. And so they laid, now get this, they laid the foundation only 10 feet deep and put 14,000 tons of white marble, only 10 feet deep, on marsh. The first story of the tower was complete and the south side immediately began to sink. They tried to make it look better by building the second column and made the arches on the south side an inch taller to compensate for the sink. By the time they got to the fourth story, they're building story after story on a foundation that's on marsh. 
By the time they got to the fourth story, they had to make the southern column two inches taller to compensate for the northern ones. The tower continued to lean, and because of its difficulties, construction was stopped. 1234, they began to build again, but this time they had to build, build the next story six inches taller because of the lean. They added the fifth story. Again, the south columns were taller than the north to compensate for the lean. Then they started in 1350. This is about 250 years later. So they started the eighth story of the tower, the bell chamber, and they found the tower was still sinking. They made it even taller. Do you see what's happening here? When you build a foundation that is not a good foundation, the only thing you can really do is tear it up. You know, there's nothing that you can do to make that foundation a good foundation if the foundation was never laid correctly to begin with. It says, thanks to the soft ground, it immediately began to lean and the shifting soil destabilized the tower's foundation. The lean first noted in the first story was a result of the stones being laid on soft ground that consisted of clay, fine sand, shells, and water. Isn't that something? So back to our story. Two builders here. And clearly, he's trying to tell us a story about how to build foundations in our life properly. And this story will really surprise you because a lot of people think they understand the story. Because they believe that the story is, I go to church and I build a good foundation, and that poor fellow over there doesn't have Christ in his life and doesn't go to church, so his is probably wrong. But as we begin to look at the context, we want to make sure that we're hearing everything that Jesus says in this story because of context. And so the first thing we notice when we look at this story is the similarities, and the similarities, pardon my pun, is unsettling. Alright? The similarities will bother you about the two builders. Okay, you say, well, why would it bother me? Because look at the story. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice... It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose. Well, look at the other guy, verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. He's the foolish man that built the house also. The same rain, same stream, same winds. Did you notice something there? Everything about him is the same. Everything about the two builders is the same. They both are hearing Jesus' teaching. That's what's scary about it. They both hear His teaching. They both know His teaching. Only one is doing the teaching. He's doing what the teaching tells Him to do. But both hear. Both know. Both are following the message because they followed through and built the house based on what? The message. They're both building a house based on the teaching that He gave them, right? 
and the one believes he's building it well, and the other one knows he's building it well. One is building it, but not actually building it according to the direction of the great builder. Jesus is that great structural engineer. He is the one that knows how to build the house that's going to last. He knows how to make it to be built to last. But this is like the unscrupulous builder who just says, I can cut corners. And that's why they do it. They want to make some money. Sometimes somebody just doesn't know what they're doing. Sometimes a builder knows what he's doing, but he knows to do it right is going to cost him something. And so one of the things they'll tell you when you build a foundation is really, really make sure that your person who lays your foundation is a very careful person. A person who's very cautious. A person who does it by the cold. A person who does everything the right way. Because if you don't do it the right way, it doesn't matter how well you build the house. It's not going to be a very good house. You know, you might you might be leaning two or three inches in one direction. It's just not going to be plumb if you don't get that foundation right. And so both of them take the message of Jesus. They're very similar to each other. They both take that message and they begin to build their house. The only difference between the two is the one is very careful to listen to the right way to build it. The other one really doesn't listen. He just builds. But both of them believe they're doing it based on the message of Christ. You see that in there. So they both build houses, and here's the thing too. There's nothing said about the materials of the house yet. There's no difference in the story of their materials or their location. In fact, all it talks about is the foundation it's laid on. There's other places where it talks about materials, you know, and building with quality materials, but in this story, it's only two different foundations. And so the materials aren't different. In fact, the houses may not even look different. The insinuation here is they both built the houses, and it's probably the same location because the same storm, the same water, the same things hit the house, and the winds hit the same house. How many have ever been to a subdivision where almost every house looks the same? And this is the picture. The houses look the same. And see, church, here's what Jesus is saying. We all can go to the same church. We can all work similar 40-hour-a-week jobs. We can all have similar... Uh, family interactions, we can have similar lives, everybody, all together, and everything looks exactly the same. And then one day, there's going to be a judgment that's going to judge whether it was built on the right foundation or not. You say, well, wait a minute, judgment? I thought this was like the three little pigs story. You know, where he huffs and he puffs and blows their house down. And I thought this was just the trials of life. Church, if you look at the context of the story, it's more than just going through hard times and your house standing. 
Look at the verses before this. That's a part of it. A part of it is standing strong in your faith through the hard times of life. But if you look at the context, the first verse in chapter 24 says, Therefore, so I have to figure out why is the therefore, therefore. So I go to the verses before, starting in verse 13 to 23, the verses before that, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few will find it. Go a little further. The next section is true and false prophets. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly they're ferocious wolves. And here's the point he's making. By their fruit. You will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Now we're looking at two different examples of what he's saying, therefore, therefore. Right? And he's talking about how we live our lives. He's talking about how we build our house based on the faith and what we believe. How many see that? He goes a little further. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Church, if you're not entering the kingdom of heaven, you didn't make it. And it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not only the one who... But only... Only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles. Therefore I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And then he says, therefore. He's summing up what he just said and says, be this type of person and have this type of faith. And this type of faith is, start with a foundation that is immovable. Church, you can see bad news in this story, but I see good news in this story. The good news that I see in this story is if my foundation is Jesus Christ, there's not a single thing in this world that can move me. There's not a single thing for eternity that can move me. You say, what if I fail? It's part of the plan. What if I don't succeed? You can't fail, church. This foundation that Jesus Christ laid is a plan that we can accomplish, but we have to have the right foundation and we have to build the right kind of life. We've got to have fruit that is good. We've got to have a foundation and the house has to be built right. And you say, well, what do you need to build a good foundation? And I'll say the first thing you need is to find the right location. In fact, you look around in life to try to find all the places to build a good life and there's confusion in the human mind. The human mind don't know where to lay down the stakes. He don't know where to, to, to mark it off and say this would be a good place for a foundation. And unfortunately... We're building our foundations in places that won't last. We're building our foundations and having a family. We're building our foundations and being married. 
We're building our foundations and having a career. We're building our foundations and all these wonderful things. But it won't last. You say, well, are those bad things? Those are great things, but they're not good enough for a foundation. And then when we find a location, we're way too shallow. You say, well, what do you mean by shallow? I mean that we halfway do. I mean that we cut corners. I mean that we sign a little card that says, I'm a sinner and I said the prayer. I shouldn't have went there. Or we say, man, I attend church so many times this year, I counted them. I tallied them right up. Or I, I did this, or I did that, or I did this. And what God's saying is, well, how deep did you plant yourself in faith? How far did you dig down? Because what I need you to do is dig down till you find some bedrock. You say, well, what's deep mean? Deep, here's what deep means. In 2 Corinthians it says that all old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. You say, well, what's that mean? You said that last week. You keep saying that verse. What that means is I'm digging really deep into my heart and I'm saying, dear Lord, my faith needs to transcend every part of me. Lord, go really deep and you plant your foundations, Lord. What do I need to stay close to you? What job do I need that will keep me close to you? What friends do I need to keep you close to me? What behaviors in my life aren't pleasing to you? And we begin to lay foundations because of our faith in Jesus Christ. We begin to say, Lord, you're the only one that can show me how to build this house. And God begins to build a house on your faith and it's planted on bedrock and it will never be moved. But if we're shallow about it, if we're like the unscrupulous builder, the one that has no um, trustworthiness to him at all, this is what he's telling us not to be, and we shallowly do. We make a shallow commitment. It may be sincere, but we don't follow through with it. We don't do anything in our life different, and you say, well, Chad, you know, if, if I'm going to give up, if I'm going to fully give my heart to the Lord, well, man, I'm not even going to look like the same person, you know. You know, I'm, I'm going to talk different than I've talked my whole life. You know, they're used to me cussing like a sailor. And what you're telling me is, I'm going to change so much that I'm, that's going to bother me. What you're telling me is that some of my friends are leading me down the wrong path, and I'm going to go a whole different path, and they're probably not going to like me because I'm so different. You know, you're talking about my entertainment being different because God's not pleased with the things I'm doing for my entertainment. Well, Chad, you're, you're talking about completely changing me. And if it's just you changing, then it's probably not a good thing for you. But when the Holy Spirit begins to get inside of you and begins to work, and you say, my faith is in Jesus Christ and nothing else. My foundation is built on Him. God, you begin to build the house. I've had a lifetime to build it. I want you to build the house now. And God begins to do the work in your heart. How many have had the Lord... The Holy Spirit come in, wreck your house. Say, look, this house isn't built to specifications. 
you've ever, well, I've never had it happen, I've heard, where a building inspector will come in and say, hey, this wasn't built to standard, that wasn't built to standard, this wasn't built to standard. And you know, they can knock that whole thing down. That's what a good builder does. Because he knows he's responsible for every life that's in that building. And so when the Holy Spirit comes in and says, hey, you want to build something that lasts for eternity? You say, but wait a minute, man, that's my stubborn ideas. That's just how I am, Holy Spirit. That's just how I am. I've always been that way. That's just how I was raised, man. I was on the south side. Well, here's the thing. God's saying that your style, your opinion is enough to fold. Because what He's saying here is that they're going to come in front of the throne of God and He's going to say, you can't enter. And you're going to say, but God, I did this, man. I'm better for the poor than anybody. I've cast out demons. I've done all these powerful, wonderful things. He's going to say, I don't even know you. What He's saying is, if your house isn't built on faith in Jesus Christ, on Jesus Christ alone, if every good thing that you do is based on earning your way to heaven and not because Jesus is wrecking your house, then it won't stand. You say, but I went to church every year for 38 years. I taught Sunday school for 20. I served on the board for this and that. Everything you do based on your foundation of faith in Jesus Christ who paid a debt you couldn't pay, whose blood was shed because you weren't worthy, you were filthy, you were a sinner, you had no chance of heaven. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ, a foundation's been laid and there's not enough things that I can do to be obedient to Christ to ever pay Him back. And everything I build on that foundation will last for eternity and will never be tore down. But every other foundation and every other building project that we have in our life won't last. Only the foundation we lay in Christ. Hallelujah. So everything is so similar with these two houses. They're built the same. They look the same. Built in the same neighborhood. And then you get to the differences And you begin to see the differences between the two. And so this is really the critical part of this is somehow the one guy thought it would be okay to build it on sand. And the other one took the time to build it on rock to make sure it would move, that it would have stability, that it would be established. You know, there are a lot of people in church, they're movable. There's no stability. There's no ability to be firm in your faith and firm in your convictions. and It's all relative. It's all according to the flavor of the day. It's all according to the latest human philosophy. It's all based on uh, somebody else's opinion of what I'm doing. Or what somebody said on the internet. Or or, or something, um, some type of um, human effort. 
And the guy that builds on sand is building on those things. Sometimes it's uh, looking around and see that people are noticing it. Self-esteem is a big thing. You know, instead of looking to God for your value, we look to other people. And the more I do, the more they say I'm great. The more I do, the more I look like a religious person. The more I accomplish, the better my house looks. The more spiritual I look, man, the more ornate ornate the structure looks and beautiful and the way it's built. It's just beautiful. You know, that Tower of Pisa is a beautiful building. If you look at it like this. It's really 17 feet, I think. Leaning over, they have to go every year to try to hold it up. This story is totally connected to coming to Christ at the judgment day and saying, how does my work look? And if we spend our life trying to look spiritual in front of other people, trying to look religious in front of other people, try to earn ways to God, how many know that's bad building materials? That's a bad foundation. That's a religious foundation that's going to sink. There's no amount of effort that I can do to lay the foundation that 1 Corinthians 3.11, look at this. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, going 10 here, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Someone else is building on that foundation, but each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can, set, can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on a foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown what it is, because the day will bring it to light. Church, we got to be careful how we build our faith house. You say, well, Chad, I built it on trying to please God with all my actions. You have it in reverse. You're trying to earn His favor, and He's saying the foundation is in Jesus Christ. He did everything. You didn't earn it. It was unmerited. It was not by your effort. It was not by your strength. It was not by what you did. He just did it while you were yet sinners. He died for you. He paid the price. He laid a foundation. Without Him you were lost. You were hopeless. You were filthy. You were dying. You were struggling in sin. You would have never made it. You had no hope. But He did it. And church, He wants to fill us with His love. He wants to fill us with thanksgiving. He wants to fill us with His hope because you could have never done it. You never would have done it. You never would have thought it. You would have never done any of it. He laid that foundation and He said, now build your house on that. You say, well, what about all the fruit that I'm supposed to bear? Church, it's out of love and joy and and, and the excitement of everything that God has done for me that I didn't deserve, that I didn't earn, that I didn't um, even think of, I didn't even hope of, I didn't do anything. God laid that foundation, so now I want to live my life for Him. 
I want to be obedient to Him. I want to listen to Him. I want to hear His words. I want to know His words. But hearing Him and knowing Him is not enough because both people in the story heard Him and knew Him. But I want to do Him. Too many of us hear Him. We know Him. But we don't do Him. And sometimes the motive for doing them is to earn what He already has put there for us. He has a foundation. Why do I serve the Lord? Why do I love the Lord? Why do I go out of my way to live my life serving God? Because I love Him. I'm so thankful for what He did. I was lost and without hope. And every single thing I do is not to look good, not to impress anybody. It's because I love Him. And if that's your foundation, you've got the right foundation. But if you say to yourself, I've got to clean myself up. I've got to build a house, a nice, beautiful, religious house. And your foundation is other than that? You say, well, man, let me throw in a little tenants. Let me throw in a little Bible. Let me throw in this. Let me throw in that. Let me throw in some things, some sacrifices to God and see if this house will be beautiful enough for God to accept it. What He's saying is they'll come to me in that day. And they'll say, I did this. I did that. I did this. And they'll say, will you accept me for what I did? And He's going to say, I don't even know you. Does everybody understand that? He's talking about a foundation that will stand forever. And everybody that enjoys your life is going to look at your foundation. And they're going to look at your motivation in life. And they're going to look at what you live for. And they're going to say, is that who He lives for? Jesus Christ, because He loves Him? People know if you're trying to earn it. They know if you really, truly love Jesus is where everything flows. And they also know if it's religious. It'll show up in everything. Like this old hymn, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is what? Sinking sand. You guys know this one. I thought I just discovered this. No. <laughs> I know I didn't. When darkness veils His lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. Well, that's powerful. In every high and stormy gale, that's the storm, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, His covenant, His blood supports me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. When He shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in Him be found, dressed in His righteousness alone, faultless to stand before His throne. Hallelujah. An awesome song. Praise the Lord. But here's some of the things I began to kind of write down some of the things that we, um, we build our life on. Some of the sand. How about the selves? 
You may think that there are those that build their life on self-will. Self-will. How about self-fulfillment? I don't want to do the will of God. I want to do my will. But I did say the sinner's prayer. You see the conflict here. I said the sinner's prayer, but everything I might do in my life is my will and never His will. And what God wants you to do is figure out what His will is for your life. You say, but I don't want to give up my will. Then He's not the Lord of your life. You say, but I, I accept Him as my Savior. God wants you to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Lord means Master. And it's hard to have self-will when God's trying to have His will in your life. You say, will I ever do it perfectly? The plan says that you'll fail. But we seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness first and above everything. God can even cover our weaknesses and our failures. Self-fulfillment, self-sufficiency. Well, that's a big one. Self-sufficiency. That means I have the ability, I have the mind, I have the strength, I have the righteousness, I have the ability to accomplish a good life without God. How many think that a lot of people build their house, their life on that thought? Self-sufficiency. Self-righteousness. That's a big one. Why does the man build on sand? How about because it's easy? I'm getting those. Because it's easy. How many think that a lot of people build their Christian life on sand because it's easier. It's a little bit harder to stand on your faith. Some people do it because it requires little effort. To build a good foundation, that's going to take some effort, you know. I'm going to have to really kind of dig deep. I'm going to have to make sure that I have a structure that's able to hold everything that I put on top of it. That's going to require some effort. Uh, Number three, it's going to require a lot of change. Change. Man, I don't like change. To live for God requires a lot of change. I had to change a lot. But it was okay after that first day when you went down the altar, right? No, I have to change every day. Every day I see my ugly old self. Every day I see all the areas where God wants to change me. All the days I look in a mirror, the Bible says, it looks like His image. And that's what He's trying to turn me into. So every day I have to change, and I'm alright with that. I like that. There's no, I don't, I don't, I'm not so beautiful in that mirror that I don't want to change every day. God's trying to change all of us every day, but we build on the sand and we don't want to change. Sometimes we deceive ourselves. We say to ourselves, man, I'm building this great churchy foundation. And God can't say a word to you. 
God can't speak through His Word. Messages don't affect you. The Word of God doesn't change you. But I am doing things. And we fool ourselves to believe that we're building our life on a solid rock when we're still living for ourselves. Still living a building a house that's not based on our faith, it's based on our own desires. Hallelujah. It's quiet. I must have said something wrong. Praise the Lord. Here's something a sand builder sounds like. Luke 9, 57. As they walked along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. Uh-oh. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests. The Son of God has no place to lay His head. Another man said, Follow me. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Let me first go back and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God with me. <laughs> another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to everybody. Jesus replied, No one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Sand builders, what do they like? If you want to write this down, sand builders like instant, quick, fast. A builder that doesn't do a good job is always in a hurry. Always wants to get the job done. Always wants to get some money in his pocket and move to the next job. There's instant results, instant rewards, instant satisfaction, instant pleasure. A sand builder is always in a hurry. But somebody who builds it right takes his time and makes sure he's careful. So who are the rock builders? The exact word for rock that's used here is the same rock that's used in Matthew chapter 16. He said unto him, But who do they say that I am, Simon Peter? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. I say also to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Church, we, the church, are built on this rock that Jesus is talking about in this story. That rock is the words that came out of the mouth of Jesus. That rock is a changed life. That rock is found in the Word of God. The specifications for building your life are in the Word of God. And we've got to be really careful that we will put our faith in Jesus Christ we begin to build on top of that faith with good materials and things that are going to be solid and are going to last for eternity. Church, when you do something by faith, the Bible says that no man can please God without faith. Nobody. So everything that I do through faith is going to be pleasing to God. Everything that I build through my faith in Jesus Christ and obedience to the Word of God 
is going to last forever and the rewards aren't. It's not all instant. For eternity, I'm going to reap the awards for every material that I build on that foundation. Everything that I do, everything that I build into people's lives. Do you know that I can do things for my family that will last for just a short time? But everything I do eternally will last forever? I can put eternal things into my family or I can put temporary things. In church, we've been living too long for temporary buildings. Temporary rewards, temporary things we've built our life on. And God is saying it's time to start building our lives on things that will last forever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet this morning. 11.55. Spirit of the Lord is in the house. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much, Lord. Lord, help us to always be careful, Lord God, that we build on the right foundation, Lord. Jesus, you are the foundation of our faith, our life. All of our hope is in you. Lord, I just pray that you would begin to minister right now to hearts, Lord. If there's those in here that are not right with you, Lord, Lord, I pray that you would um, let them discover that foundation that doesn't move, Lord God. It's not shifting in sand, Lord God. It's not temporary, Lord God. Uh, but let them find the foundation that is true, Lord God. Lord, those who are Christians in this house, Lord God, I pray that we would, uh, Lord, that we would build on no other foundation than what you've laid, Lord. Lord, that we don't have any foundations that are self-righteous, Lord. Self-willed, Lord God. Oh, but our foundation would be pure. Hallelujah. Lord, we ask these things in your name, Lord. Hallelujah. And you can open your eyes. I, I just want to... Sometimes, um, let me know that when I preach, I preach things like hell. I preach things about judgment. I, I preach things about right foundations and wrong foundations and... Church, let me tell you something. There are some churches where those things aren't preached. And what I really want you to think about this morning is, I would rather have somebody tell me about those things and make me think about those things and know that when the day comes, you're ready than to have somebody leave that stuff out and make you feel good all the time. Hallelujah. Because the best feel good is to know that I'm right. Know that I'm right with God. Know that I have a right foundation. And so here we are. We're at this moment where I challenge you. Where you hear the words of Christ. You know the words of Christ. The question is, will you do it? And so if you hear it, 
and you know it, then you may still not have the right foundation. Just like the story. But if you do it, then we can all walk out of here knowing we're laying a foundation that's right. You say, well, what do I do after I make my commitment to Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life? You begin to build a life that is in keeping with that commitment. My decisions are based on the fact that I love Jesus Christ. I want to be obedient to Him. I want to know His words. I want Him in my life. I want to, I want to know the right thing to do. I want God to empower me. I want His Holy Spirit to begin to build a house that will stand through every storm of life, every wind, every storm of life, and I want to stand on it. I'm, I know I'm going long here, but I had five extra minutes. I want to spend some time at this altar today, church. But you know what? When I first came to the Lord, I had known some things about church. I'd known some things about the Bible, and I started literally, um, I started reading the Bible all the way through, just day and night, started reading the Bible, trying to figure out what to do with my faith in Christ. And this may be controversial to some people, but one of the first things I needed to know that God sent me on a search for was to know whether to drink alcohol or not. And so one of the first big studies I ever went on was what the Bible has to say about alcohol because our family had had so much alcoholism on both sides of our family. Tavern owners, tavern workers. I was in line to have my life destroyed by the same things drugs, alcohol, those kinds of things. So I started going on a study. Wasn't a person who partied, wasn't a person who drank a lot, but I was in my early 20s, and I needed to know the answer because I was on sand in an area of my life. And so I started studying, and the Holy Spirit took me to so many scriptures. In fact, I ended up with a file that thick on that subject. And what it did for my life was it put me on a rock. And can I tell you, it didn't matter what anybody told me. It didn't matter what anybody offered me, what anybody tempted me with. I knew that as for me and my house, in that area, I was going to stand on that rock. And there was no individual in the world that could move me off of that rock. And church... 25, 30 years later, I still stand on that rock and every curse of alcohol is gone from my family. And you're, you say, well, that's not that big of a deal, but you don't know my family. My brother will attest. It's a broken family because of drugs and alcohol and both of us. That's power is gone because I had a rock to stand on. So I'm just asking you today, with every eye open and every eye looking, we can hear the Word of God, we can know the Word of God, but the question is, how are we going to build our lives? Is it going to be on the rock of the Word, or is it going to be shifting sand of philosophies and ideas and personal opinions and biases and 
all these different things? Or are we going to stand on the rock and build a life that the gates of hell can't even stand up to? Hallelujah. We're going to worship. If you want to pray, these altars should be full. You say, well, Chad, I'm a believer. Everybody knows I'm a believer. Well, maybe you have a religious building. Maybe you can't come to an altar because people will think you're a sinner. Can I tell you something? I'm a chief of sinners. That means I'm one of the top ones. But I know it. I know it so grace has a place in my life. If you don't know it, grace doesn't have a place in your life. God is trying to change me because I realize that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior not just 25 years ago, but this morning. And so I'll go to an altar. I'm happy to go to an altar. I'm happy to tell a group of people I'm a sinner. Because I know this sinner has found a place for God's grace. And God's grace is poured on me every day. God can change me every day. I haven't built a building of self-righteousness. I haven't built a building where I'm self-sufficient. I haven't built a building where my self-will is is building the thing. It's been shattered by the building inspector and God's building a beautiful building that will last forever and the gates will help get touched. I'm just going to open this altar up. Find a place. Find a place. Hallelujah. your seats. Hallelujah. How many know that uh, seat can be an altar? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How many are going to commit their lives to living on that solid bedrock of the Lord Jesus and His words? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we commit ourselves to You today, Lord. Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that we would build through faith, Lord God. Oh, our faith and our love in you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord God, build lives, Lord God, that are solid, Lord God, that are stable, that are movable. Oh, yes, Lord God, strengthen your saints, Lord God. Oh, Lord God, build it, Lord. Build it to last, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. God bless your people, Lord. Bless them this week, Lord God, as they're in your presence, Lord. Oh, put your anointing upon them, Lord. And bless them as they go, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.